Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome back into another edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Good to be back with you. I'm the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. No, I do not want to talk about the Buccaneers in Pittsburgh this past weekend. I had fun in the Steel City until they played the game. But anyway, I'm back aboard here with the owner, the operator, the guy you read all over SportsMediaWatch.com. You get to hear him, obviously, on this podcast. Hello, Dr. John Lewis. Good to be back with you. Hey, good to be here. Another great weekend of sports, and we got a big day today. Yes, and so we're going to have some fun talking about the different topics with football. We've got the NBA, obviously, starting up uh, as well. Um, and then uh, Major League Baseball playoffs heating up. And a special guest, John. We're looking forward yeah. to having a guest with us here on the program. Tell the audience more here on this edition of the show. Yeah, we're going to be uh, welcomed or welcoming Mike Hall of uh, Big Ten Network, the original winner of Dream Job back in 2003 on ESPN. And he is still working in the industry 20 years later for a major national network. So, you know, I know with a reality show format, sometimes, you know, you might not get someone who wins, who is really, you know, it's a reality show. Well, he uh, certainly has turned out to be the real deal all these years later. No doubt. Looking forward to talking with him in a little bit. Uh, a lot on the horizon, obviously, with the Big Ten, not only with the football season, the basketball season, the new TV deal, and obviously his prominence being around that network. He and Dave Rebson uh, and the other personalities that you see there have been there really since the inception of yep. everything that's gone on uh, with the Big Ten network. All right, so let's get into it here. A uh, reminder, however you found us, social media link, John's site, sportsmediawatch.com. Thank you for doing so. Make sure you're following or subscribing here on the podcast feed because you not only get us, you get George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. He's got ESPN's Jesse Rogers as his featured guest. You'll hear Jesse's story of how he's risen the ranks from being a producer at the All Sports Station, The Score in Chicago. Now, John, as you know, prominent with ESPN's baseball coverage as a writer, a television personality. John will be covering the Phillies Padres series later this week for ESPN TV and on ESPN.com. You'll hear Jesse's whole story with George Offman. Tell me a story I don't know. It's the podcast immediately preceding this one here on the feed. Also, Mike Gill, Phil DeMont, Mullen do an excellent job with the announcer schedules podcast, doing over going over who calls the game, uh, how they do it, where they do it. They talked to Carl Ravitch of ESPN, speaking of baseball playoffs yeah. and their coverage. We encourage everybody to go back on the feed. You can hear all of these different things, and uh, you've got multiple shows every week to be with us. More and more people finding us. That's a good thing. Share us out. Follow and subscribe to the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast feed. 
And we are we are uh, excited that many of you are still finding the content and enjoying what we're doing. Okay, football and lots of it. Let's begin with college football. Let's begin with the numbers are in for the Alabama Tennessee fantastic, uh, thrilling win for the first time in 15 years. Uh, the Tennessee Volunteers get a win over Alabama, um, the first time in 16 tries. And the the 52 49 wild close game really translated into good numbers for CBS. John, expound on that and let's get into the college football talk a little bit. Well, it was the most watched game of the season and the highest rated as well. Uh, beat both Alabama, Texas earlier in the year and Ohio State, Notre Dame, the uh, big uh, opening weekend game. You know, that's no small feat, right? We know Tennessee football has not been overwhelmingly relevant these last uh, many years. Uh, you know, I think uh, some of their most famous alums were still there, right? Was Peyton Manning still there the last time Tennessee was good? Candace Parker was still many years away from getting there. So, you know, look, I, I don't know that CBS would have expected one of their top audiences to be Alabama Tech at Tennessee at the start of the year. And that's the great thing about college football is that, you know, you have certain games that you expect to be big draws, but, you know, uh, there are also games that kind of come out of nowhere, like that year Missouri and Kansas were both really good, and that's the charm of the sport. So, you know, if you're CBS, you're pretty pretty uh, more than satisfied, very happy with, uh, with uh, that performance. And the other thing, too, is, you know, it's always good when Alabama has a little bit of adversity. You want them to be there at the end, but you want it to be difficult for them to get there. You want those games at the end of the season to really matter, not for them to go into the Auburn game where it's like, well, if they lose, they'll make the playoffs anyway, right? You want them to 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 have some struggle and some difficulty. Uh, and so uh, I think, plus, you also want to have some other teams there that you can that you can showcase, right? Mississippi being good, they're going to be on the CBS window this week against LSU. Tennessee, you can put on a number of times. I just think there's, uh, you know, it, it's always a good thing when Alabama is not far and away the best team of the conference. Well, and remember, uh, Texas A&M beat them a year ago, yeah. so then they had a high wire act, to your point, really for the last six or seven weeks of the season, knowing that if we lose again, we are not going to likely be in the SEC title game. There's our, our entrance to the college football playoff. So it became much more dramatic. And now it's going to be the same way for Alabama the rest of the way here. I will actually work the game this weekend while we talk sports media. Their game with Mississippi State, which is an ESPN broadcast. Uh, Tiki Barber and I will do the game, John, on Compass Media Network's national coverage from Tuscaloosa. But they still have LSU at LSU. They still have Ole Miss at Ole Miss. They still have the Auburn game. So it will truly be uh, a real uh, struggle and high wire act for them to get through the rest of the regular season yeah. without another loss off the Tennessee uh, defeat this past weekend. We'll see how they do. And, of course, Georgia is also looming. And the Tennessee-Georgia oh, yeah. game is looming here in a couple of weeks. They used to play Tennessee-Georgia at the very beginning of the year on the SEC schedule. Now in, in recent years, they've moved it around and it's moved now to, to um, uh, later in, in October and November. So that game will be big. There's a lot of big uh, SEC games every year and uh, we'll see how, how this all plays out overall for the rest of the college ratings. Uh, I know there were some different games on in prime time, uh, et cetera, in and around the Alabama game that did so well. Stanford was busy upsetting Notre Dame on the NBC uh, live broadcast. What else, anything else of, of remark, or did Alabama, Tennessee mainly dwarf the rest of what was out there? 
Well, it did, but you know, Mich- uh, Michigan Penn State did very well on Fox. It was the number six game of the season. Clemson FSU was the top primetime game. Uh, it was not nearly as big a draw as Michigan Penn State or Alabama Tennessee, but it did win the primetime window, and uh, you know, beat uh, USC's upset loss to Utah, beat that Stanford Notre Dame game as well, and beat LSU Florida. So, you know, part of that is the Pat McAfee simulcast, but even without the simulcast, it would have won that time slot. But uh, if you're ESPN, you're certainly pleased with. So I did not get to hear anything of what they were saying. I was in a sports restaurant, uh, what else, in Pittsburgh, where the sound was down. I know he was doing kind of the Manning cast thing, the concept they have. Did you get to see a little of it? I don't, I don't even know who the guests were. It's the same kind of thing where he's giving immediate feedback. I could see him, John. They had him get up a couple of times and try to diagram something. Of course, they had him get up and hit a golf ball, I think, in a golf simulator, too, during the game while the game was. They were trying different things. I just couldn't hear what was being said. I could see that on ESPN, too, but I couldn't hear it. Uh, I wasn't really paying all that much attention. You know, the baseball games were on, but, uh, you know, they seemed to be doing a lot of, uh, they seemed to be doing a lot of, uh, charitable stuff for cancer uh, throughout. Sure. So, uh, that was really the only thing that I noticed from it. You know, I don't know. I mean, look, uh, I think this is the era of watching people watch things. Right. And I'm not going to pretend that I don't participate in that. That's what Rift Tracks is. That's what, you know, uh, you know, the best of the worst stuff on YouTube is, right? I mean, and, and it makes sense that that would become something you see in sports. Uh, and uh, watching people react, that's, you know, there's an entire generation of young people for whom that's the only thing they ever do is, is watch, you know, people react to video games or play video games. Or we, I mean, it, so it makes sense. And of course, in sports, we do that anyway. That's what play-by-play and and the analysis is, but we don't see the play-by-play people, you know, and right, and that's something that only occasionally. I remember when uh, they had the game-winning shot of uh, uh, Arika and Gubawale. They showed Adam Amin calling it courtside, you know. But in general, that's, that's kind of a hard sell because when you're watching a traditional broadcast, you care who the announcers are, but you don't. It's kind of odd. You want them to be excited. You care about their reaction but you don't care about their reaction. You know what I mean? It's like you, you care don't about- have to see their reaction exactly. when they're calling yeah. a game. It's more about how their reaction makes you feel. Well, let me give you an example. I'm not in UFC's world at all. It's not my right. demographic. It's not my thing. But the famous meme is Joe Rogan on one of those big knockouts. It's all over the internet where he's reacting with yeah. his colleagues and they're shocked and I'm trying to describe it like play by play. They, they are taken aback. Oh my gosh, on the kick yeah. or the punch or the knockout. And that meme is everywhere yeah. for everything because they've got a little portable camera showing the announcer reactions whenever something crazy uh, happens. So interesting uh, how, how it's kind of evolved into watching people that are watching the game and kind of yeah. trying to join in and be, and be interactive. And they're going to do more of this. They did it in baseball with the Michael K yeah. a rod cast uh, that ESPN is trying to branch out with. They're trying to make it into a franchise. Still, the the Mannings, the Mannings works because their humor, they're 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 uh, backbiting against each other, self-deprecating, and they have great guests. And yeah. and then they do mix in. They, these two guys, after all, did play at the highest level. I mean, honestly, there's only so much Pat McAfee's going to tell me when he was right. a kicker, when he was a punter. Yeah, Peyton and Eli being quarterbacks are going to tell me and teach me things too when I'm watching if I'm, I'm watching that cast and they'll, they'll be back, I believe this week 
Am I correct? Let's segue to the NFL. They'll be back for New England and Chicago here week seven with the Manning cast. Yeah. Um, so they will be back in the fold. We'll get into that in just a second, but I want to go backwards uh, to the NFL. The Thursday night ratings on uh, Amazon Prime, it, it is it is what we thought. Once again, another yeah. struggle with, a, with another shaky game. The ratings were not very good. Nope. However, the Sunday ratings were tremendous. Yes. Uh, so let's get into that a little bit more. First of all, the Amazon Prime numbers, John, as we talk NFL real quick. Well, under 9 million, uh, lowest of the season. On Amazon Prime alone, it was under 8 million. This is what happens when you put bad teams on the air. The NFL you know, always likes to play with fire and put these teams that were good a million years ago. And, uh, you know, the, the, just because you're a big market team that was good in the Reagan administration doesn't mean that you should be on TV today, right? So, you know, uh, obviously the numbers weren't good. Uh, I mean, that's what happens. You put Washington and, and Chicago on there. Right. Uh, I mean, realistically... We'll see what happens uh, as the season goes along, but you've got to put good games on the schedule in, in order to get good ratings. Do you think, I, I heard it again, some in Al Michaels' voice, that there is just frustration on, I have been used to doing the best of the best, yeah. even flexing into a better game on NBC. Yeah. you got to quit giving me 12-7 to 7 to work with here, or 6-6 six, yeah. six at the end of regulation yeah. going to overtime, or whatever that Broncos-Colts uh, game was. Yeah. I can sense it hearing him. Oh yeah, you can you can tell that Al is is not having the time of his life. I mean, you know, I'm, I mean, and then you think the money, right? The money is great, the generational wealth, but you know, there comes a point in your life where you reach an age where it's like, okay, how much more money do I need versus do I really want to have to fly out to this place and call a bad game? I wonder how long Al's gonna gonna last in that role. I don't necessarily think he's gonna be there for the long haul. But I do think the schedule improves a little bit. Saints Cardinals is a better matchup, should be more entertaining this week. Is, then it? Ravens is it? I mean, the Cardinals didn't look very good last week. The Saints score. Right. So maybe, maybe yeah. they get a good game this week. But you're being optimistic. Keep going. I didn't mean to yeah, say that. But but the big game is Ravens Bucks in, in two weeks. That that's the big game. That will be that is a network <laughs> quality game. Of course, some are joking right now with the way that my Buccaneers are playing offense. Is that a good enough game offensively? Yeah. But well, it, it does have Lamar Jackson. It does have Tom Brady. Right. That's a better one for uh, for Amazon Prime. Now on the weekend, you obviously had the Bills and the Chiefs, and then the Sunday night game was the Cowboys and the Eagles. John, the numbers are coming in for those. How did it stack up weekend number six of the NFL? Well, I mean, Bills Chiefs did great. Uh, one of the most watched games of the season, number three for the season, most watched week 16 or week, week six games since 2015. Wow. So, you know, uh, very, very good on that front. Uh, the Monday night game, Cowboys Eagles did well as well. Uh, most watched week six edition of, of Sunday Night Football since 2018. And if you include all that streaming uh, stuff that NBC puts in after the fact, then it's the most watched since 2015. So uh, two really good matchups, two really good numbers, and you know you can't go wrong there. And they benefited from being good games because the Chiefs-Bills yeah. uh, game back and forth in the fourth quarter. The Bills took the lead in the final minute, and then Mahomes threw the interception. And it looked like, because we were traveling back from Pittsburgh as the game got underway, the Eagles and the Cowboys got home, and it was already 17 nothing when I got home. Yeah. And I'm thinking, man, there's not a lot to watch. But suddenly Dallas made it a game, and that probably helped for the second half. You know, you go back to the Alabama-Tennessee game. I know it's Alabama. They're a love-hate villain. But that game's 28-10, to 10, John, in the first yeah. half. 
and I'm sitting in the hotel in Pittsburgh getting ready to go do some stuff. And I'm like, if they score again, Tennessee, to make this 35-10, I can start paying attention to other stuff. This is a runaway. My point is the Eagles-Cowboys game was on the verge of that, but Dallas got back in the game, and I think I don't have this on any authority. I, I, I defer to your insight. I think that helped them with a couple of three million more people sticking around because the game became a better game. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I think with the Eagles record being the way it is and people enjoying watching the Cowboys lose, even if it had been more blowout, <laughs> you would have still seen good numbers. But what I will say is 20 million for the Cowboys to less than 5 million for the Yankees in the same window. I know it's not necessarily breaking any ground pointing right. out the NFL's advantage over baseball, but you know, when we're talking Cowboys and Yankees, Cowboys was over 20 million Yankees under 5 million. Now again, you know, but still, I think that's uh, worth mentioning. You have historic, you've given us great historical perspective for anybody that's been with us on these podcasts over and over again, that obviously there was a time when baseball in the eighties and the nineties, the NFL wouldn't challenge it because there were so many tens of millions watching the baseball. That is that day is dead. That is no longer the case. They are playing second string, if not maybe even third string right now to college football on a weekend uh, with Major League Baseball. So that's uh, that's fascinating. And the and the Braves uh, being beaten, the Dodgers being beaten this weekend, the Mets having already lost Major League Baseball, taking some broadside hits with the Braves, the defending champs, the L.A. market the New York market at the time that John and I are taping this podcast and putting it together. We don't know what's going to happen with the Yankees and the game five with the Cleveland guardians here on Tuesday. You obviously know that result as you're hearing us on Wednesday, but uh, I'm not going to say that there's not going to be a, a press release, a PA announcement from Rob Manfred of, Oh my God. But if the Yankees bow out after the Mets are gone and the Braves are gone and the Dodgers are gone, before you even get to the league championship series, that's not good. So they're kind of, they're not going to admit it, but they're kind of quietly rooting that the Yankees get in there with the Houston Astros to keep the love hate going with the Yankees. Right. We would think. Well, of course, the Yankees are the biggest draw in the sport. Uh, I do think Cleveland is not necessarily a disaster. If they make it to the world series, Cleveland is a famous team. They have been the subject of movies in the past. Yes. And you know, when you look at the historical numbers, some of the biggest audiences for baseball in the past 25 years have been for Cleveland games, game seven against the Cubs, game seven against the Marlins, mm. you know, even game six against the Braves in 95. And some of that is because they were in the World Series twice in the 90s when the ratings were still really strong and they went six and seven in those two appearances. But, you know, people tune out or tune in, I should say, for uh, Cleveland games, at least historically. And if you get Cleveland, Philadelphia, and it's a good series, I don't think that would be necessarily so bad. Uh, remember, Philly Houston would be pardon, good. Too. Pardon me. Yeah. Philly Houston ooh. or San Diego and Houston. If well, that's what it ends yeah, up. San being. Diego, Houston would not be good, but no. Philly Houston, it's top, top Philly, 10. To and markets. Philly gives you the Northeast yeah. because there's some love hate on Philadelphia. Yeah. In that instance, you're very true. Um, and the, and the guardians won the dramatic game Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, as well, late night, Saturday night. So let's see what happens with whether they advance or the Yankees advance. I'm just laughing because uh, I'm an 80s movies guy and those major league movies, yeah. not so much like the third one should never have been made. The second one was kind of okay, but major league, the original with Bob Euchre, the famous announcer, who's the Brewers announcer. And oh, by the way, John Lewis, most of the baseball scenes shot at count old County stadium in Milwaukee, mm. not in Cleveland. That's not Cleveland municipal stadium in the original major league. 
That is County Stadium in Milwaukee. So you got the Brewers guy, Euchre, acting like he's the Indians guy, and they're fictitiously acting like the Cleveland Stadium is actually the Brewers Stadium there for the uh, for the upper Midwest and the Big Ten markets and the, the Rust Belt and all that. So uh, I just thought I would share that with you. I, yeah. I do have to tune in every now and then. I don't know. I didn't know if you knew that. No, um, well, yeah, I, I wasn't aware. The uh, next no. time you get to see any of it, you'll see how the outfield in particular looks completely different. Catch the scoreboard when they show it a couple of times, and it will say WTMJ, which is a Milwaukee TV station. Uh, and I still remember this from the, the producers talking about this. They were filming those in the middle of the night, uh, those baseball scenes in a lot of cases, because they were going all night filming them. It was a week that obviously the Brewers were gone and the stadium was empty and they only had about six or 7,000 people, believe it or not, as extras. So they would move everybody behind home plate and for like two hours, shoot all the scenes they could with mm. home plate. Then they'd move everybody, the extras to the outfield while we digress on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. So the scenes in the outfield or Rick, Rick Vaughn, the Charlie Sheen character coming out of the bullpen and they've got the crowd. There's the six or 7,000 people wow. in the stands at County Stadium. They had to move the six or 7,000 people around to shoot background of it. Uh, it's just interesting how they made Major League, but you're right. It's made the Indians then, now the Guardians, a more famous uh, franchise and entity, and maybe yeah. it is going to be them with the Astros. Again, you're listening on Wednesday. You already know that answer. Did the Yankees pull it out, or did uh, did Cleveland make their way into the ALCS? Um, all right, so we'll find out on that. Okay, uh, NBA, before we get to Mike Hall coming up from the Big Ten Network, the NBA gets kicked off. We'll talk about that here in a couple of moments. First, we had talked about Charles Barkley and him flirting with other ideas, maybe retiring, we didn't take it seriously, John, that he was going to go to the Live Golf Series, yeah. even though he flirted with them. Now comes word of a new 10-year deal. He still wants to do the NBA and Turner's coverage for 10 more years, apparently. Yeah. A new 10-year deal. John, pick up on the point with Charles Barkley staying in the fold. Well, you know, uh, Charles has talked about retirement. I asked him in February in a conference call, and he was very clear, I'm going to retire after my contract is up. You know, look, Charles says a lot of things. <laughs> One of the things that we we give Charles the benefit of the doubt, he comes off as so genuine that we assume that he's completely guileless, that there's no underhanded, mo you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? What do you call that thing? Uh, Negotiating. No. The, oh, there's no ulterior motive. There oh, no, an ulterior motive. Yeah. I like that. Right. Yes. Yeah. There, we, we assume there's never an ulterior motive with Charles and maybe there isn't. But I will say. He, you know, said, oh, I'm going to retire after my next contract. I'm going to go to the Live Golf Tour. And now he has a lot more money, right? So, you know, uh, using the media for leverage doesn't sure. sound like something Charles Barkley would do. But, you know, maybe Charles is a lot more shrewd uh, being a multimillionaire who's been famous for 30, 40 years in a row. Uh, maybe he's a lot more shrewd than we give him credit for. Uh, and, uh, you know, hey, it works out. Um it's a 10-year deal. Turner may not even have the NBA beyond three years. So it'll be interesting to see how all that goes. And, of course, Charles can retire at any time. Of course he could. And I'd, I'd be shocked if Turner doesn't hang on to it in some form or fashion. But that's just me. You're more plugged in on that. Uh, I'm just curious because you raised this, and I want you to repeat it for the audience here, John Lewis. Um, there are obviously times where it looks, especially on a double header night, et cetera, like those guys don't really want to be there at one o'clock in the morning, one 30 in the morning, uh, Eastern time, still doing a post game show. Do you think he will cut back some 
on this deal? Or what do we know? What do you think? What do you believe? Because that was a topic that you and I were kicking around on after you've done this five years, 10 years, you kind of are sitting back on weeknights going, do I need to be in the studio till 1 a.m., 2 a.m. talking aftermath of a West Coast game? Well, I think if he cuts back anywhere, it would be to do uh, to to cut out the NCAA tournament because I don't, you know, Charles says every single year the tournament is his favorite event, but he keeps having to say it every single year. And, you know, it's kind of like if somebody says, you know, I, my wife is great. I really enjoy being with my wife. And he says it so often. Eventually you're like, hmm, what's he trying to cover for? Right. I don't really think Charles. It's like these coaches. Can I make it bring another analogy? These coaches that talk about how great it is in college where they are. I have the greatest job in America here at Oklahoma or Ohio state or uh, Alabama or USC. And then, Oh, or Notre Dame. Oh, Oh, wait a minute. Uh, The phone is ringing. It's like, I understand what you're saying. The more they say it, almost the the ulterior motive comes back up yeah yeah i i don't think charles or even kenny really want to do the tournament so it would not be surprising to me if that was cut out but we have no details on that and for the amount of money charles is making maybe it's like well if we're going to pay you this much money you got to keep your current roles right Uh, we'll see but see i disagree just to this extent i think it breaks it up a little bit for them on regular season NBA, regular season NBA, regular season NBA, and it breaks it up a little bit for them. Right. But again, you may know better than me. Maybe they are over. They've done it now for almost 10 years, getting yeah, close to like eight 10. or nine years at least. More than 10. Well, yeah, 2011, well, 11 right? 2010 yeah. or 2011. 2011 so yeah. maybe they are tired of it, and maybe there will be less of them on that. I don't know, but they're clearly the stars of Turner's coverage yeah. that they yeah. want them on the uh, on the NCAA. Um Back to that point, do you? I, I want to hone in on this. Do you really believe it's three years from now? But do you really believe Turner could be in jeopardy of not having the NBA? No, I mean, I think realistically, the NBA is not going to get money that they're looking for from anybody else other than their incumbents and Amazon or Apple. It's not NBC is not going to swoop in. Fox is not going to swoop in. Uh, the, the NBA's options are ESPN and Turner plus Amazon or Apple or ESPN and Amazon or Turner and Amazon or something like that. But I don't think the other linear networks are going to be real competition. Uh, I I just don't see, you know, Fox is a non-factor for rights it does not already own. You know, Fox is where CBS was a few years ago, where they're just a complete non-factor for rights they don't already have. And uh, to me, uh, I, I think ESPN and Turner won't have exclusivity anymore because i do think amazon or apple or or something similar will come in because the nba wants more money than espn and turner alone can get but i I do think beyond beyond anything else i think turner will probably get the finals Interesting. Uh, yeah there's just no way that espn especially with that nhl deal being the way it is there's just no way espn is going to have the finals to itself every year i think in years when espn has the stanley cup final Turner will have the NBA finals and vice versa. And you make a good point that starting this year with the hockey that's now underway uh, as the hockey got underway last week, Turner has the Stanley cup finals now with Kenny Albert and Eddie Olchick to be on the call, uh, which will, uh, that's going to be interesting and they will alternate with ESPN to your point. So maybe it will be the same thing with the NBA's coverage somewhere down the road. What's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat. Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket. Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, today we're happy to be joined by the great Mike Hall of Big Ten Network. And if you are old enough to remember the first winner of Dream Job on ESPN back in 2003, and uh, Mike, uh, was that ESPN for maybe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe a couple of years and then Big Ten Network ever since. So you are basically like a Rich Eisen who left ESPN around the same time and then went the rest of the way with NFL Network. That's you at Big Ten Network. Yeah, I was, uh, I was at ESPN in 04 and then in 05, they launched ESPNU and they had me go uh, launch that network down in Charlotte. So I signed a new two-year deal with them. So I was there a total of three years. But yes, I left in the summer of 07 to come back uh, to Chicago and do uh, BTN. And, uh, you know, it's very interesting. Obviously, I'm sure whenever you do an interview, you're asked about dream job, I imagine, right? Because it's such an unusual way to get into the industry. So just for a little bit of background, uh, this is a reality show that ESPN aired in 2003. And again, I think 04 and 05, where they had people who were interested in working in the industry, basically compete for a job on SportsCenter. So if you remember, and TJ, I'm sure you remember, like I the was watching, up, yeah. I was rooting for my call. I was watching. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. The locked up in a tight one guy. You remember him? <laughs> and, <laughs> quickly. Yes, quickly. Thank you. I, I, that actually activates the memory in my mind. I didn't even remember the name, but yeah, uh, that was a heck of a show that they, that they had there back in 03. What was your experience like being a contestant on that show? It was pretty nuts, man. It was, I was a, a senior in college and, um, you know, I, uh, uh, I went out in, like you said, the audition started in the fall of 03 and it was just a cattle call. I mean, it was like, I don't know, 13,000 people or something auditioned and there was no reason to think that I would stand out. Um, the stories I always tell are, are we went to St. Louis cause I was at the university of Missouri studying broadcast journalism. And we, we drove down at like 6 a.m. to St. Louis to try to be early in line. My buddy and I, who was a journalism guy named Steve Lippo, and he and I waited in line and there were 10 of us in a group and you did these different you know things for the audition. And three guys were asked to stay after. It was me, it was Steve, and a dude with a massive, huge red afro. So that kind of gives you an idea that it was part show, part reality show. So part you know talent search and part we're trying to make TV. Um, but it was nuts, man. And then by the time it was on the show that we started, I think around mid February of 04 and it went till the end of March. And, um, I mean, the show was really fun to be a part of because, you know, again, you're 22, you want to get into the industry and they're one week sending you to Florida to do a piece on spring training. And it was like, holy cow, how cool is that? And then, you know, the next week you're sitting next to Carl Ravitch and you're doing a sports center and you're interviewing Peyton Manning and, you know, all that stuff just never got old. It was a really cool, uh, 
I mean, the entire, I, I kept saying like, just the fact that I got on the show was a win, right? And then the fact that I was continuing and getting these cool experiences week after week was a win. So even if I didn't win the show, it was still like, what an amazing life experience for me. And then I was fortunate enough to win it. And it kind of, you know, started my whole career. Did you ever get any pushback from people? Because I imagine that, you know, folks who went through it the normal way to get into the broadcasting business might have, you know, maybe looked down on winning a reality show. Did you ever experience anything like that? Mostly for my mom and dad. I mean, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, you know, here and there. I mean, for the most part, when I, um, it was something I was very well prepared for. Um, Scott Van Pelt pulled me aside my first week there and said, uh, you're going to get heat. Uh, I expect people who make uh, shot sheets for you, which are those, the, the highlights are all written on a shot sheet where it you know, says what's happening in the game, who does what and what the result of it is. And that's what the anchors read off of when you're reading the highlight. He was like, I expect people will screw things up for you on purpose to try to make you look dumb. So be ready for it. And it was, you know, that's a big bucket of cold water in the face. Uh, welcome to Bristol. Um, but, uh, but it didn't really happen that much. There was, there was one anchor who was kind of openly a jerk to me on air uh, every time we worked together. But that's honestly less than 5%. I mean, I, I always, the way I, I described it was 10% um, uh, of the people really just didn't like the way I got there and wanted me to know it. 10% of the people loved me. They watched the show and thought it was great. And 80% of the people were like, hey, man, if you're nice and you work hard, we don't care how you got here. Be a part of the team. And that was my, my general, you know, most of the time it was perfectly like, if you work hard and you're nice, that's all that we care about. So were there a couple of people who were, were not kind to me? Yeah. But on the whole, it didn't stick out like that. In fact, I could easily argue there's a, there's a famous anchor named Bill Pito. Like Bill mm -hmm. Pito watched the show and would come up to me and be like, Mike Hall, what do you have? <laughs> and was excited to do shows with me and ask me about the experiences. And I was like, you hosted shows with Berman. Why are you asking me my opinion? But but that's how kind he was. Uh, and so a lot of it, honestly, it really was mostly very, very positive. What an impression of Pito that we get on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. We're loving Mike Hall telling some stories. Do we sneak initials on who didn't like you or no? You're not even going to go initials on who didn't like you. We Here's don't have to thing. play 20 questions. I could tell you, but <laughs> the truth of the matter is this person ended up not having a wildly successful career and so i'd rather not there you go jump on his uh yeah yeah there you go so i wanted to ask you something along those same lines take people inside and you already did just a little bit that empire as it was being built and is still continued to to uh, obviously expand in terms of facilities the popularity of espn you were around it in the early 2000s there for a couple of years what was that part like a lot of people would love to know that insight it was not one day did I not feel like I needed to be pinched? I mean, every, every single day, there was something that made me go, I can't believe I'm here. I mean, you'd even like, I, cause I'm a pretty big sports broadcasting nerd, right? I mean, it's what I wanted to do since basically high school. And so when I would walk down a hallway and I would, you know, see someone who was an executive who was in a, this is sports center commercial. I was like, I know that guy. I've seen him on TV. And you do that all the time. And, you know, one of my um, my favorite experiences, my first time meeting Tim Kirchin, right? Again, I was a huge baseball fan. And, and back then, in my mind, Baseball Tonight was as big as SportsCenter. And he came up to me the first time I met him and he goes, I got to tell you, I can't believe 
the way you did it, what you did. And like hearing his voice crack and he was being nice to me, it like blew me away. Um, but that whole, I mean, it was an empire. I mean, you know, people were already referring to it as the mothership at that point. Certainly Dan Patrick was. And, um, you know, uh, it, it really, it you felt small, not in a diminutive way, in a, I can't believe I'm here way. Um, and when you would see people and you, you walk past an office and Chris Berman is in there and you walk down a hallway and Dan Patrick's walking the other way. And um, you didn't want to disappoint anyone either. I felt, I felt a very uh, heavy uh, appreciation for the place in that I wanted to make sure I wasn't disappointing someone. And, and a few times I got to do sports centers with Bob Lee and it was like, man, this is cool, but also, gosh, I just, I just wanted to be proud, you know, of me and not embarrassed of me. Um, so it, it, but it was, it is uh, funny. I, I haven't been back since I, since the early winter of 05. And my understanding is I wouldn't recognize it, that even in those, whatever, 17, 18 years that just the new buildings and the way things have blown up that I, I don't, I wouldn't know where to go because everything is all already so different from when I was there. And it was pretty big then. Yeah. I mean, the fact is you were there in a particular era of yeah. sports center, the tail end of that 1990s era where the anchor was a star. Whereas today, just from the nature of how things have changed, the, the, the anchor is only a star if they have their own show like Scott Van Pelt, uh, not so much sports center anymore. Uh, so, you know, we've talked so far about your, your ESPN tenure, but obviously most of your career has been at big 10 network and you joined BTN really from the start. Uh, so what was that like? One, what went into you leaving ESPN and ESPNU for BTN? And what was it like getting in at the ground floor? Well, first the leaving ESPN. Um, so I'd done ESPNU for two years um, and it was amazing. And I got way better. Uh, I, I always tell people the best way to succeed in the industry is obviously one, win a game show. Um, and then number two, if you don't have that opportunity, it's just get reps, right? The serious answer is get reps, get as many. If you have the opportunity in your 20s, it's, it's not try to get the most money or the, the highest prestige. It's go where you're going to work a lot. Because if you do that in your 20s, then you can use that in your 30s and 40s to actually try to get a better salary and better opportunities and yada, yada. Um, and I was, I was doing two, three, four hours of hosting every day at ESPNU. I was our only full-time studio host. And um, that was great reps. It also was draining. Uh, and listen, I get it. Crimea River, like no one wants to hear that the kid who won Dream Job was tired, but it was a lot. Um, and after a while, I, I basically went to them and, and when my contract was up and I was like, hi, can I get some help? You know, I, I just like a little help, even if it's only one extra week of vacation where I can like go see my friends and family and just be 25 instead of feeling, you know, stuck working till 2am every day. And, um, and they basically responded with, well, here's a raise. And I was like, thank you very much. That's nice. But I, I actually really want, um, you know, could I get some help? Could we send someone from Bristol down to help, you know, once a week to, to give me something like a Friday night off before a Saturday of football, we are on air for 14 hours. And they basically wrote back and they said, all right, we'll give you a, a slightly bigger raise. And it was like, oh, no, I think we're I think they don't think I actually mean this. I think back then at the time, again, it was oh seven. It was like, oh, you're just trying to negotiate. Sure. Um, but I was serious. I, I kind of wanted to adjust my life a little bit. And I knew the Big Ten was uh, launching a network and I wanted to get back to Chicago where I'm from. 
Um, and I knew, um, you know, Comcast Sports Chicago back in the day also had an opening. And I was like, you know, I'd like to stay national, but I also really would like to try living at home. And if I have an opportunity to move to Chicago, I would, I would love to do that. And so I actually left ESPN without uh, an offer, um, which was, uh, I don't recommend because that was a stressful summer. And I jump in, what is mom or dad saying? What is the agent saying when you're saying to them, I I'm going to go figure it out? What was that like? Yeah, I mean, it was mostly, there was a lot of trust. It was like, we hear you. Like, I get it. You, you know what you want. Um, inside the company at ESPN, there was a lot of pushback. Some people that I considered mentors were very harsh with me of like, you better know what you're doing, kid, because this is a, you, you have the golden ticket and you're leaving Wonka's factory. Like, I hope you know what you're doing. And, um, and that was, you know, a brush of reality, but I'm a fairly centered person. And I really felt I, I looked at both sides of it and knew it was worth the risk. And, and my agent felt very confident that one of those two opportunities would come through. Um, but I mean, it definitely was a risk. Uh, again, I don't, there's that old, what's that old saying? A monkey in a forest never leaves one branch when he's swinging until he has a firm grasp on the other one. That was not me, man. I, I jumped and had no, no branch to hang on to or no vine, I should say. Um, and then when uh, it was uh, late July, I think mid-July, something like that, um, when I ended up uh, getting an offer from both places, I ended up staying, uh, choosing the, the Big Ten Network route. And that was really cool because, um, you know, I'd launched a network two years earlier in ESPNU. So I kind of knew what we were going through. So the meetings we would have as a group in that July and August before we launched at the end of the month, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I've been here before. And they were different because it was, you know, this was a Fox company and I, ESPNU obviously was an ESPN company. And so they see the world differently. Um, but uh, it was it was cool. And that first year we weren't in many homes. So we, we did some experimenting, which was great creatively. Um, it is fun to be in those meetings where you're like, should we call the show Big Ten tonight or Big Ten now? And you're kind of spitting ideas out and, well, what kind of analysts should we have? And what kind of segments should we have? And that, that brainstorming was really cool and, and challenging. Um, and it was, listen, there were rocky moments that first year, but we also got to do a lot of really cool stuff. Like we had this show called Friday Night Tailgate where I had uh, Second City comedians on. And one of them was Jordan Klepper, who's blown up, you know, in the world of Comedy Central and everything. And one of them is Steve Waltine, who's a writer for Colbert. And one of them was Tim Baltz, who's on that HBO show, Righteous Gemstones. Like these were really fun, cool people. And that was an experience I wasn't going to get at any other network. And so launching it was challenging and stressful. But we also got to do these fun things. And honestly, at the end of the day, you kind of knew it's not on us to make the network successful. Like it's a business. And if we get into cable networks, we're going to be successful. And that just wasn't up to us. So we, we kind of just trusted the bosses and the Fox people that they knew what they were doing. And we would just do our job and, and let the pieces fall where they did. And luckily, it worked out pretty well. And obviously now BTN is, uh, you know, I mean, it's a major college football network it's nielsen rated which not every, it's the only one actually of those right. uh, uh lego networks to be nielsen rated uh and uh things are getting even bigger now with the new big 10 contract so i'm curious you know what is your uh typical role now at, at btn in, in in this era where it's a, a much bigger network uh i know you were in uh you were in my neck of the woods i think the other day correct and uh could you give me some background you were doing the best burger challenge is that right <laughs> Yeah, so uh, my role's different this year. I'm taking on a different role uh, this year. I had a lot, the last handful of years, I've been very, very studio-centric. So 
on a, a fall Saturday, I would do our, you know, like five years ago, I was doing our 11 a.m. Central pregame, halftime, postgame in the studio of football games. And the last couple of years, I was doing more like updates on a fall Saturday. And this year, they sent me on the road we, for our um, Saturday morning show. Our version of um, uh, college game day is called a Big Ten tailgate uh, and uh, or uh, Big Noon kickoffs, you know, all, all those type of shows. Mm-hmm. And we're on campus. And uh, so the, the premise was for me to try to bring, you know, some energy and some fun to that show. Um, so I've been on the road every weekend this fall and I will be the rest of the season. And uh, yeah, we're, we're doing some, you know, trying to keep it loose and trying to keep it like a, a party atmosphere. So like you're actually at a tailgate. And uh, one of the ideas I had was uh, that we go to a different uh, place on each campus and try to find which campus has the best burger. Um, so I will I will ask people online the week before saying, All right, I'm coming to Champagne. Where's the best burger place? And usually you'll get, you know, 20, 30, 40 answers. And there's a consensus of like two or three. And then we'll we'll pick one of them to go to and have them make us a burger and and try it out and um, we do actual football talk on the show but we definitely uh, do some. Uh, I'm a big burger guy. I would have loved to have been in on this deal to go around around the Big Ten. So have you? How many have you done so far with the burger? With going to the burger five, seven, eight? Yeah. You've, you've gotten a lot of good burgers. Had some great ones. Uh, we met uh, the best one was the great story was we're in Indiana. And there's this place called Buffalo's, which has been there for a long time. And everyone, everyone told me to go to Buffalo's at Indiana. It's like, okay. So we went there and the owner's kind of goofy and he's high energy and, and he's fun and different and weird. And uh, he said, uh, you know, what, what would you like? And I was like, well, I think um, I'm thinking this blue cheeseburger sounds good. He goes, what you got to do is our shroom and Swiss. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, just so you know, I hate mushrooms. He goes, got it. Shroom and Swiss. And, uh, and, <laughs> And you need some wings. And I was like, well, that's very nice of you. Like, we're known for our wings. I was like, I got it. But it's called a burger battle. So the wings don't really. He goes, Sherman Swiss and wings coming right up. And he leaves. And he comes back with the burger I didn't want and the wings that aren't a part of the bit. And sure enough, it was by far the best burger I've had. I don't know how he did it. It was an unbelievable burger with a topping that I absolutely hate. And the wings were fantastic, too. So that, that's been my favorite spot so far. That's that's a great story in and of itself. Hey, one more from me on this because you've been most gracious with your time. The Big Ten expansion has has been crazy. All right, so it's one thing to add like a Rutgers and a Maryland to Nebraska, but now to add the two teams in Los Angeles and the belief is several more, maybe Notre Dame, maybe other Western teams. What is your take on where this is headed? New TV deals for the Big Ten with television networks. The Big Ten network is obviously, by extension, going to benefit. Give me a thought on the expansion and the times that we're in right now. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it was the last two summers. Boy, were those two big surprises, right? With Texas, Oklahoma last year and uh, USC, UCLA this year. It was, I, I didn't see either one coming. Um, I, I mean, I will say last week was basketball media days. And so I had a chance to chat with the commissioner, Kevin Warren. And, and we didn't get you know crazy specifics. And I don't have any inside knowledge. But the vibe I got from, from him and from everyone is, is kind of like, I think we're done for a little bit, but nobody really knows. And even if they did know, they wouldn't tell me or you two or, or anyone. Um, but it seems to me, my understanding is that the plan is going forward to stay at 16 and they'll reassess when it's time to reassess. But, but that those were the two schools that once they reached out to the conference, the conference was like, that's a great fit academically, historically, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I, I think it's going to be on a little bit of a pause right now is my best guess. 
As for the fit, like I get it. It's the first time that there's been massive expansion where geography was not a consideration, right? Because you mentioned the the Rutgers and the Maryland, right? Those are close to Penn State. That keeps the Nittany Lions happy, gives them local contacts, et cetera. Nebraska easily fits in with the Big Ten culturally. You got an Iowa rivalry built in. Minnesota makes sense. I mean, there's a all those were sort of logistical, obvious ones. The geography, right, is the big question mark. My understanding is that the league has literally been having people figure out options since they announced it basically every day, trying to figure out the best way to do it. Part of that is, you know, what do you do with the non-revenue sports? And I think there's actually a great opportunity. If you're softball or baseball, well, you're used to spending March not in the Big Ten. You'd go down to Florida forever. Well, maybe they now go to Southern California and they can play conference games, right? And there's Listen, is that going to be tough to be away from school for a while? Yeah, but remember, those softball and baseball teams are used to that. It'd just be on a different coast. The football and the basketball, like I get it, but the the, the way it's been phrased to me is keep in mind, you know, a flight from uh, UCLA or USC to Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State was two hours. And so you're adding one hour on those flights if you're going to the majority of the Big Ten. Now, yeah, if you go all the way to Rutgers or Maryland, which people have frequently wanted to point out, okay, obviously that's going to be a longer flight, but that's not going to happen every day. And still remember half of their conference games will be at home and still remember most of their non-conference games will be at home. So the more I think about it, the more I understand the logic and how they can find ways to make it work. It's still going to be an issue. I mean, it just, it is until people do it for probably a couple of years and figure out, did this work? Is this feasible or are there new problems? And, and do they have to readjust the way they do scheduling? And there's a lot of talk about grouping schools and maybe you bring two of them out West and they rotate each other. And, and the same thing, if UCLA comes to Indiana, they'll play Indiana and then two days later play Purdue in basketball or or soccer or whatever it would be, um, and then come back. And people smarter than me, guys, are figuring that out. I'm not sure, but um, I think it just might be part of the new reality of, I mean, I will say the crazy thing is how much has changed in college sports in the last small handful of years from transferring to NIL to conference expansion. I mean, it is shock. Each of those would be the story of the decade if they happened alone. So we are in a transformative time and I think we're just going to kind of see where things go and hopefully the smart people are listening and, and if things don't work, then they make adjustments and try to make them better. Yeah. And, you know, one more question here on this topic. So much of the Big Ten and even what we just talked about with the burger challenge is the culture of that you know, environment, the Midwestern culture. The fact is a fan base in Illinois is going to be a lot like the fan base in Indiana and in Michigan and Ohio State, et cetera, et cetera. It's different culturally with USC and UCLA. I mean, how do you feel that, that those schools are going to be as a cultural fit? And as an example, how have Maryland and Rutgers been as a cultural fit so far? Yeah, that's a fair question. And that's one I've, I've heard before too. I think it's just honestly a little bit less of a consideration. I think, I think the idea is what is best overall for the conference in terms of, you know, finances and academics and and all sorts of issues. And the idea of a cultural fit, like it used to be, I, I, I like to think back when I started ESPN, there were basically six major college football conferences. They were all culturally and geographically basically 
contained, right? The Big East had a certain style of football and they played in a certain area. The Big 12, the same thing. The Pac, you know, 10 back then, the Big 10, et cetera. They all were their own things. Now, me personally, I love that. I, that's that's what made that was the era that I fell in love with college football. And so my heart and my brain always want to go back there. But the world changes. Right. And even though it might not have been what I wanted, like that's where we are. So you have to adjust. And my guess is the the you know, powers that be basically saw the things that were positives were more important than making sure, you know, a kid from L.A. has a different winter than a kid from Minneapolis, which which is very <laughs> true. They do. Um but I think some of the things that are are similar is what they would they would say are more important than than that cultural fit. So, for example, I mean, I mentioned the academics and the history and all that, but also you could argue if you're this power broker, which the conference is, it's important to not just be one region. It's important to not just be one culture. That if you add Maryland and Rutgers, a you're helping that alumni base from the Big Ten in the Midwest that is out there, and they're they're closer affiliated with those schools. Um, but B, you're just growing. And so you're not just Midwest, you're Midwest and your East Coast, and now you're Southern California. And, and that there are various benefits uh, to that. Again, I was not, for some reason, invited into any of these meetings. So when they made these decisions, they didn't ask me. But that's my understanding of, of where the, the mindset's been. All right. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to, to be with us today. It was great talking to you about uh, Dream Job and all that Before early. Before he gets out of here, where's he going to go eat a burger this weekend? We got to know what's up with the burger this weekend. If we know, what's the itinerary? Well, speaking of cultural shifts, I'm going to Maryland. And I believe we're going to a place where they're going to put some crabs mm. on a burger for me. I got to so. watch. I got to watch. Now. <laughs> yeah, sounds uh that definitely sounds interesting. I've never had a crab meat no, burger before. Me no. Me either. Yeah. Wow. Maybe you'll uh, meet up with Scott Van Pelt, who's uh, certainly, he could probably give you some recommendations. That's for sure. He, the last time I was at Maryland, it was with, uh, remember Gary Williams, the legendary yes. basketball coach. And so there's this famous place that, that Scott himself told me a long time ago, you got to go to, which everyone, to be fair, in Maryland says, you got to go to Bentley's. It's RJ Bentley's. It's this place that's been there forever. Um, but I believe one of Scott's Emmys is up there in uh, Bentley's uh, because he donated the place because that place means so much to him. So uh, I'll be thinking of Scott when I'm there for sure. All right. Well, thanks again for taking the time. We really appreciate it and looking forward to watching you the rest of the season on BTN and seeing uh, maybe you'll be out in L.A. eating a burger in a couple of years, too. Looking forward to it. Thanks for the time, guys. That was fun. Thanks again. Love uh, Mike giving us some insight on everything. Big Ten football, burgers, all of it. They're not done expanding. He's going to have a chance to go have burgers probably in some other places, maybe on the West Coast, too. You might Maybe in London at Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> If that, if that ends up being part of the Big Ten footprint, you have broken true news yeah. uh, here on this. Uh, we have something left to do on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Let's do it. Love it or leave it. Subject number one. Okay, we mentioned the baseball playoffs to this point and how they have already lost the likes of the Dodgers and the Mets and the Braves. And again, as you're listening to us, John and I don't know, did the Yankees survive in game five of the divisional series to make the league championship series to play Houston? Or did the Cleveland Guardians knock them off and they are playing Houston? Love it or leave it. In particular, the format for the National League, where the five seed and the sixth seed, they led a third yeah. wild card team for the first time ever into this. And the sixth seed could end up in the World Series. Love it or leave it, what the baseball uh, format has done here. Do you think they will leave it or might they tinker with it because of the upsets, John? What's your opinion? 
Well, you know, the reality of the matter is that if you win a hundred games, but you can't win three, two out of three on your home field at the end of the season to say nothing of the games that they couldn't win against the Braves. I'm talking about the Mets. Well, that's on you. And as far as the Braves go, you know, we've had best of five in the first round forever. Braves couldn't win, you know, defending champs, home field advantage. They played this team of the sixth best record, third best record in their own division and lost three out of four. You know, the Dodgers lost three out of four to a team that, you know, uh, finished what, 22 games back. You know, look, uh, the reality of the matter is if they had the old playoff format, you just jump straight to the LCS, then it'd be what Dodgers Braves, right? Well, it's a good thing that we don't have teams in the LCS that couldn't win three out of four against mediocre teams, right? I think that's a good thing. Now, you know, if you did best of seven, it would mean that the Dodgers and Braves were both down 3-1 in a best of seven series. They could come back and win, but they would still have been down 3-1. And the best that they could have done would be to win in seven. So I don't think it's a big problem. Fair enough. Uh, Although they they have tinkered with everything else, they may tinker with this again. Uh, especially uh, in the case of the Phillies, I believe I have this right, who finished, I think, 16 games, 15 or 16 games behind uh, the Mets as the first wildcard team. That's a, that's a very wide disparity to still let them into the postseason to be that far back. But we'll see what baseball does uh, with that. I mean, okay. unless look, they, they did the runner on second. Maybe you spot the hundred win teams two runs in the first inning. Right? <laughs> you know, well, I mean, it's not as far fetched because if the PGA Tour playoffs yeah. have gone to this length where they say now, okay, the the number one seed is ten under par and the number two seed is eight under par to start the tournament. It's not as far fetched as what you're maybe suggesting. Um so I don't know, but they, they, they may tinker with this again. Again, baseball's had kind of a quirky postseason the last three or four years. They got this idea from the 2020 playoffs of playing the extra round of playoffs all in the one location. Um, so we'll see if they do something with that. Let us continue. Love it or leave it. We have been talking about uh, the NBA already getting started. The NHL is obviously underway. College basketball media days going on. College basketball coming around before yep. we know it. Some have argued that October uh, is the is the best sports month of the year, just because of all the football, the newness of the NHL, the NBA, and college, the baseball postseason. Love it or leave it on that take about October and and college basketball. That's one of my wheelhouses. I love it, and it's going to be here soon as well. What about October? October, that? you know, October is perfectly fine. April is probably better because the weather is better, uh, you know, and you have the NBA and NHL playoffs at the start of the baseball season. You got the NFL draft as well. I, I'd go with April over and the NCAA tournament as well. Uh, coming to its conclusion, I'd go with April over October and the Masters as well. So Very true. A lot of different uh, the more, things to the, like. You know, the, more I'm, the more I go into April, it's clearly better than October, I'd say. In the uh, April showers bring spring flowers, right? Is the old yeah. saying too. If there's ever any yeah. showers in April, and it rains all the time in around Florida from like March yeah. until October, uh, yeah. so we don't know what to think on that. But yeah, it's still there. I mean, the dramatics of the postseason are obviously coming, and we've seen yeah. some of that already. But the baseball postseason with the dramatics are are coming in a part of this for this. Oh, month. this is a first today, right? And a division series game and a league championship series game on the same day. I don't think that's ever happened before. Because of the rain out and they're trying to yeah. squeeze it all in. Yeah. Uh, but, but by the way, I keep seeing all of these remembrances of great moments in the baseball World Series 
that were all taking place this week as we're doing the podcast. And we're nowhere, John, near the yeah. World Series yet. In right. National League Baseball, it's going to be another couple of weeks uh, before we're even there. One yeah. more before we get out of here. Love it or leave it. So my call was mentioning Mushroom Swiss burgers. I'm a big Mushroom Swiss fan, well-known in my house and those that are friends and family and around me. You a Mushroom Swiss guy? Love it or leave it? I've not had a Mushroom Swiss. I have mushroom sandwiches all the time. Yeah, I've never had. Yeah, I I hate Swiss cheese, you know? Okay, that would be the reason why. I'm like, how have you not tried it? So you're not a Swiss cheese guy. On a burger, what do we, if you were going to one of these burger places, what would you want on the burger? Like what Mike Hall's doing on the burger too? Well, I actually did go to one of those burger places. Uh, you know, when, when Mike Hall was soliciting uh, recommendations, I decided to try one. And I didn't like it. I won't say where I went. But, uh, you know, in general, well, you know, a burger should be, if I'm going to invest in the calories that a burger is going to require, then it better taste great. So it shouldn't be overloaded with salt and grease. You should okay. be able to taste, you know. What about condiments? What about toppings? Uh, you know, ketchup is fine. Mustard is fine. I mean, I know apparently ketchup and mustard are controversial. I don't know. But, you know, uh, to me, uh, goat cheese is always uh, a good addition. Goat cheese. View. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Not I'm Swiss cheese, but goat cheese. Okay. Yeah. Goat cheese. What about uh, blue cheese? I'm not, a, when he was talking about yeah. blue cheese on a hamburger, I'm not a blue cheese guy. I haven't no. had blue cheese in a long time, but I wouldn't no. mind it. I'm trying. Uh, you know, and uh, I, I I enjoy regular burger meat, mushrooms. I also enjoy the Beyond Meat. You know, there's a weird thing. People think that because you eat the Beyond Meat, you have to not like meat. But, you know, sometimes you just want to try something different. What about I, the plant-based stuff in the taste test that we can't taste the difference in? That's a yeah, little iffy, I mean, but we can't taste the difference a lot of times, which makes you wonder about fast food as well when you can't taste the yeah, difference. Well, yeah, I, I think the plant-based, uh, it depends on the brand. I think Beyond Meat is is better uh, than the other ones I've tried. Of course, you know, their their executive leadership is in a bit of a strange situation right now. But, yep. you know, I, I, I like the Beyond Meat. Why not? Uh, fair enough. I think we've covered a bunch here from uh, football and ratings and big games to the basketball season getting underway. Just one more time, because we're going to get out of here in a moment. The NBA season gets underway. What are you intrigued by? Maybe a storyline or two oh, or a first boy. week matchup. You got something real quick off the cuff? I mean, I don't know if I've gone into an NBA season less interested in the basketball. I mean, look, it, you know, it, it is interesting because, you know, I, I was on the conference calls this week uh, with ESPN and Turner actually last week. And, you know, they you know, the uh, Reggie Miller, you know, Candace Parker, Jamal Crawford, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, they all will, they, they are convincing in making you feel like there's stuff in the league this year. And I don't know. I mean, for me, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm not feeling it. I just feel like there's just not a lot that I'm excited about going into the season. Um, yeah. But, who knows? Maybe There's certainly will... storylines. Can the Warriors right. repeat? We've got right. the Draymond Green situation with his teammate. We've got yeah, but a Durant. lot of those storylines are so negative. But like still, but I'm just, does Kevin yeah. Durant have a successful season in Brooklyn? Does he really want out? Well, here's uh, what I think is a problem. You know, I don't even want to watch the Nets or the Lakers. They're so they're such a drag, and that's LeBron and Durant. So I don't even want to watch those teams. They're they're just tremendous drags. Who's a team I'm going to uplift? Who's a team that you do? want to see some of national level and otherwise is there a team that intrigues you going into this season like phoenix I mean, phoenix was an up-and-coming team and right. they had a great season 
last yeah, year. Yeah, but they're coming off worth. that 50-point loss. I mean, I Phoenix know. is a drag, too, honestly, mm-hmm. with the Sarver thing. The Warriors are actually a little bit of a drag with the Draymond thing. Uh, the, if I were to say there was a team I was interested in watching this season, um, I mean, I'm not actually interested in watching the Cavs, but on paper, they are certainly going to be interesting. They're a young team. they got a lot of young talent. New Orleans, Zion coming back might there be the thing I feel kind of positive about. He looks like he's in amazing shape. Uh, and uh, it would be enormous for the league for dry, for Zion to be good. It would just be, you know, this whole, you know, uh, this is not entirely LeBron's fault because most of this is people who have made their careers off of being negative about LeBron James. But, you know, the LeBron era of the NBA, whether it's LeBron or Durant, you know, it's kind of been a drag for a while. Right. And so for if, I think it would be good for the league. I don't, I don't want to rush LeBron off the stage. I enjoy watching LeBron play. I hope he plays several more years and stays healthy, breaks Kareem's records, sets all sorts of new records, wins more rings, et cetera. But I think it'll be good for the league to get to like the Zion era. And hopefully the Zion era will not be dominated by, you know, the Skip Baylesses of the world. Uh, hopefully the Zion era will not be associated with that nonsense. But the LeBron era, to me, it's kind of just gotten a little old hat. He's been there for so long. Let us not forget he began almost what 20 years ago, 2003. Well, no, I mean, right even before it. in 2002 on Sports Center, every every day on Sports Center, Tom Friend was on the LeBron James beat and he was in high school every day. Mm-hmm. And he was in high school. They don't cover there isn't a single high school high school athlete since LeBron or even before LeBron that got covered the way that he did on Sports Center. Back in 2002, they were selling it. They were selling it. Speaking of Sports Center, around the era of uh, of Mike Hall winning the yep. Dream Job reality show, we say thank you again. Great job, John Lewis, on hooking uh, him. We say thank you to the Big Ten Network folks as well for helping us with that. Anything else in closing before we're done? Before we're good, John, are we good? Uh, I just quickly mentioned NHL got off to a pretty weak start last week for their opening games. I don't sense a lot of enthusiasm about the NHL this season either. Uh, so, you know, maybe those winter sports kind of uh, maybe uh, we'll see. I, I think tonight's games, my I believe that there is an expectation in the NBA that tonight's games will be down because of the competition. Uh, and uh, also, you know, obviously the Philly market is the Philly market isn't going to care less about Joel Embiid and company tonight. That's all, you know, uh, Phillies. Uh, because that game will be going on at the same time. So we'll see. Uh, you'll see what happens. I think it'll be down from last year tonight, uh, maybe down for opening week. Uh, oh, I should mention all five Christmas games this year will be on ABC. That is a definite interesting move uh, in response to the NFL. So they're going to go just like from noon until whenever. 10.30 p.m. Day. NBA on broadcast television on Christmas. How about that? It's a Christmas gift to the local news anchors who go, not have to work. Just go all out yeah. with the NBA. And I will be in Arizona with the Buccaneers for the primetime Sunday night NBC uh, broadcast. Yep. It'll be going against that. I don't know how much NBA I'll watch during the day, uh, but we'll see. Uh, very interesting there on the notes in the NBA season getting underway. Read more of what John has to say with the ratings for the first week, et cetera, as the week unfolds. Again, you will know as this podcast is being released, did the Yankees get it done? Are they in the league championship series with Houston or not? Uh, again, read about all of this. Ratings, news, and insight, and much more on John's side. John Lewis, thank you. Appreciate it as always. No problem. Thank you to Mike Hall of the Big Ten Network with us as well. Make sure you're following or subscribing here on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast feed. For now, we are good. We'll talk to you again soon. 
For Dr. John Lewis, I'm TJ Reeves for the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big. 